Coming in hot, 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 Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey, coming in hot, hot, hot. Lisa shares her financial tips and strategies to build wealth, have fun with finances, and be debt-free without having a restrictive budget. From bankrupt to millionaire, Lisa knows what it's like to feel as if you're living paycheck to paycheck. Her unconventional money multiplier system is the very wealth protocol that enabled her to retire two and a half years early, pay down $100,000 of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Welcome to this episode of I Date Money. Today, we have a special guest with us, Patty Handy. She is a formal financial advisor and mortgage advisor. Sound familiar, huh? Mortgage worlds. I, she has had countless conversations with women, specifically divorced, widowed, and single women who felt overwhelmed, embarrassed, and frustrated. When it came to their finances, can you all relate to that? As a certified life coach, certified executive coach, and published author of four books, Patty has devoted her life into helping women with their finances. So, welcome, Patty. Thank you so much for sharing this space with us. Thank you, Lisa. Great to meet you and great to be here. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for our audience to share your story. Uh, pre-show, we talked a lot about our similarities, um, but tell us about you. You went from this financial advisor, this mortgage broker, stepping into a financial coach. You know, and I have to be honest with you. When I first saw that profile, and I was like, "Why would a financial advisor give that up to be a coach?" <laughs> <laughs> that's a so great question. Pro. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. You know, it was a. Um, Kind of a culmination of things. Uh, I went through my divorce many years ago, and I remember back then thinking I was going to someday take that horrible experience and that painful experience and turn around and help others with it. And I was very busy raising my son, who was 18 months old at the time of the divorce. So I was busy raising him, uh, making a living. I got into the mortgage business, did that for many years, and then transitioned into financial um, planning and really enjoyed that piece but i think the the main impetus and the and the and the and the factor that really pushed me into the coaching world was the conversations that i would have with women you know when i was a financial advisor who were in tears who were just overwhelmed who were embarrassed they didn't know what to do their husbands took care of the money they you know either lost a spouse or they were divorced and um we just had so many conversations and as a financial advisor um Typically, we don't do a lot of like life coaching. And I was really happy to hear that a lot of financial planning firms are bringing in life coaches, which is a brilliant idea. Um, but I, they, they just weren't being served the way that I wanted to serve them. And the other piece was that a lot of financial advisors uh, and my, my firm included, there's a minimum portfolio size that, that, a, that a person has to have in order to become a client. 
So um, when the calls came in and they didn't have that portfolio minimum, we had to essentially turn them away, which I felt horrible about because I'd have those conversations with them and I couldn't advise details because they weren't clients, but I knew that they needed help. So I thought I'm just going to do something and I'm doing this later in life. I mean, I, you know, truth be told, I'm 62 and I'm doing this pivot at this age and people are like, what the heck? And I've had a couple of friends call me ballsy and I'm like, okay, that's cool. Uh, you know, I can, I can do that. <laughs> but um, it's really, a, it's, it's, a, it's a passion project. You know, it's, it's very in alignment with what I want to do, how I want to serve. I want to reach women, you know, worldwide and, and certainly, you know, throughout the nation. Um, I'm in California, so I can help anybody in the in the US. And um, I just want to make a bigger impact and be able to help more women and just make this movement start because it's hard to uh, watch the, you know, the stats about women and how they feel about their money. Yeah, and the stats are not looking pretty not looking good at all. I had heard on a podcast that I was listening to that in the next 10 years, 76% of the women are going to be responsible for passing down the, the money legacy to the next generation. And of that 76%, um, less than 20% know how to manage money. Mm. When it comes to money and managing it, you know, money management is my thing. It's, it's the core of what I do. You know, a lot of women will say, especially entrepreneurs, well, I need to work on my money mindset. And if I can make more income, then I can, you know, have all the things I could pay down the debt. I can do this. And it's no, it's if you, if you had a money management system in place, then you would be able to do all the things that you want to do. And women coming out of a divorce, a lot of them, or a widow, a lot of them, their husband's managed the money and they had no clue. Mm-hmm. When I went to social security administration, I had widows come in all the time, not even knowing what a checkbook was, mm-hmm. let alone like they would come with their unopened mail. Can you help me open this? I'm like, um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> not really my job, but I'll help right. you. No, right. don't you have family? And that's the whole thing is if they do have family, their family, they're too embarrassed to ask for help, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then if, add an illness on top of that, it gets to be a really difficult situation. But in your experience, do you find that women are coming forward and saying, Hey, this is me, I'm divorced. And I need help. Yeah, they are coming forward. Um, When I was a planner, they would come forward, but you are hundred percent right with the embarrassment of like going to their children, their adult children and saying, I'm a mess. I don't know what this is. I need help because it just, it's a reflection of you know, or they feel it's a reflection of, um, you know, not knowing what they're doing. And, you know, you don't want to go to your kid and say, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I, I, I always share a story and this, this is, you know, really meant to give them grace with, with all that. Um, I was the one in my marriage that took care of the money. My husband didn't know anything about investing or anything. And, and I was very comfortable with money. I invested, I, I learned very young. And so it was all, it was all great. Um even with that knowledge and that experience coming out of my divorce in the middle of the emotional turmoil and the the, the trauma and trying to raise my son and everything else, I made some really poor decisions when it came to money. I made some decisions that I knew better and it was out of desperation to try to get caught up because of course, when you go through divorce, you're financially cut in half and um, a lot of turmoil there. So even with the knowledge that I had, I still made some mistakes and yes, I was embarrassed. I'm like, I should know better. You know, I know I, I should not be doing this. And so um, 
I, I, I share with, you know, with ladies, you know, give yourself grace. You didn't learn this in school. You probably didn't learn it at home. Um, you know, if somebody asked me if I know French, I would say, no, I don't, I've never learned it. No one taught me. I didn't ever live in France. Why would I, you know? So it's like, I'm, I don't think any less of myself because I don't speak French. Right. It's just, I don't speak it. So um, again, the, the bottom line is give yourself some grace, just be, be okay with it and just, you know, move forward. Yeah. Take, take the steps. Yeah. Take the steps to, to, you know, um, get, get the knowledge and the education and work with people that can help you and, and, you know, one step at a time. Yeah. And learning that and understanding your, you know, your money story, like what drives you mm-hmm. to make the financial decisions that you are making. So once you have the tools in place, like there's tons of free tools out there and how to budget. And I, I hate that word budget. Every time mm-hmm. I say it, like all, <laughs> yeah. I prefer money management system versus budget. Budget sounds so restrictive, mm-hmm. but there are so many free tools out there. In your opinion, your experience, why do you find so many women don't tap into those free tools and why do they need a financial coach to help them along the way? I think there's so much online noise. It's hard to know who to trust. It's hard to know who to believe. I mean, I have found things online that are that are inaccurate and um, I thought, gosh, if somebody's actually taking that, you know, information as truth, that's that's a problem. Um, and it's just the overwhelm. There's so much you just you and I've t- I said this to a friend recently. I said there's so much noise online. It's hard to think. It's hard to hear myself think. And I think that's probably true for for women who are looking online. Um, and there's so many moving parts to a financial situation. So. Yes, like you said, the money story is a huge part. I mean, that's one of the modules in my program. I have a whole module on the, just the money story piece. It could be that their credit got damaged, you know, coming out of a divorce. They've got this joint credit card. They want to uh, maybe buy a house on their own now. How are they going to qualify for a home? How are they going to invest what's left in their assets? Um, what's the best strategy with their 401k if they're employed? Or There's so many moving parts. And so it's oftentimes just overwhelming. It's like, where do I even begin? How do I even start with this. And that's, that's where a financial coach comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and great point. And that's why everyone needs a financial coach and financial coaches get financial assistance too. (laughs) They get guidance, you know, from mentors that help with the money mindset, the, you know, fine tuning, because we can always learn from each other about what to do best and best practices, especially when it comes to, you know, investing opportunities. Like a lot of people are murmuring about, you know, gold and silver and, oh, I should invest in this and small businesses. And, you know, an, an advisor can can best lead you on that, but a coach can help you say, well, why do you want to choose that investment? You know, right. why is this a place where you want to, and what do you like about it? And what do you trust? So asking those questions to get you to think, because when it, once you think that becomes your emotion and then that becomes your result, and yeah. <laughs> our thoughts are our most powerful tool. I see you wrote uh, four books. Tell us about the, the books and the journey and, and congratulations. That's awesome. I only wrote one book, so. Yeah, well, <laughs> thank enough you. for now. <laughs> well, one of them is a children's book um, and that was uh, done, gosh, a very long time ago. And that, uh, is called the feeling in my belly of peanut butter and jelly. And it's about um, finding, finding the little, finding joy in the little things in life. Um, 
two books were written on on money. Um, they were both geared towards the high school, college age um, kids. The first one was called How to Ditch Your Allowance and Be Richer Than Your Parents. And again, that was very um, focused on the high school kids who were um, just learning the basics, you know, so it was very foundational in nature. And then I rewrote the book, updated it, kind of refreshed it, and it's called Money Rules 101. So that's the newer title. Um, and the subtitle is Master Your Money Before It Masters You. And it's really great. I've had actually um, financial planners read it and attorneys read it and tell me that they've learned things from it. Um, because a lot of the information is just, again, not out there, you know, on a, on a fluid basis. So um, those are the two books. And the other one was 50 Ways to um, Thrive After a Divorce. And I did that. It's a kind of a short book. It's a quick read. It's basically things that I did to help me get through my divorce that were just um, little things, little steps that I took that, uh, you know, I wanted to to share. Well, awesome. I love the titles. What catchy names. Thank and- you. I have to get the peanut butter and jelly book for my granddaughters. They love to read Aww. and it sounds like a great book to have. And I know they, if I knew any high school students, so listeners, uh, we'll have links for the books in the show notes, but get these books. So it's full of value. And I like that it's an easy read, you know, cause we all want that quick and easy thing. And, you know, my favorite book is The Richest Man in Babylon, and it's a very easy read. And I have my clients read it when they come into my program. And some of them take a while to read it. I'm like, just read the book. <laughs> <laughs> just do it. It sets you up for success. Do you want to be a millionaire or do you want to stay stuck where you are? Read the book. <laughs> so yeah, books are so powerful when you can have that written word. It just, it just gives us that knowledge that third party view on okay this is this is the baseline this is the outline this is what you should do this is how it's helped and when you have that concrete evidence to show you yeah and then when you implement those steps wow <laughs> do yeah. you find a lot of your clients are, are struggle with implementing the steps that you teach in your program you know i think one of the i mean i as a financial planner i think that's where a lot of the success came from because they did not implement uh, a lot of it, it's funny a lot of clients or prospects would come to us and say can you just charge me an hourly fee and tell me what to do and then i'll just go do it and uh we we just didn't offer that because we knew that they would not implement they wouldn't necessarily manage it they wouldn't you know whether it's rebalancing the portfolio on a regular basis whether it's taking you know advantage of tax strategies or whatever it was they just didn't have the the bandwidth and the wherewithal to really do the implementation piece um so the accountability piece that you have with a, a coach and the ability to um just go and ask questions without having to be concerned about oh they're just trying to sell me a product and earn a commission no we as coaches don't make commissions on any products we're not selling you a product we're just we're your coach and it's a lot of life coaching intertwined with the financial piece. Um, so it's kind of the best of both worlds. And there's no ulterior motive. You know, if we're trying to help you buy a house, we're not earning a commission on the sale of the house or the purchase, right? We're not trying to make a commission on the mortgage. It's just a straight education piece. And it's an individual third party that helps you implement all these things that you would otherwise be, you know, overwhelmed with or possibly have this mindset of, gosh, somebody might be just trying to sell me something because they want to earn some money. and you know, that's all that that's all removed when you're working with a financial coach. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people tell themselves stories, especially around money. Our childhood um, determines a lot of those stories, a lot of the conditioning statements, the yes. money idioms that we grew up with. What was a money idiom, money idiom that you grew up with? 
Well, my parents were both born in the uh, Great Depression. Mm-hmm. So you can probably guess, you know, what kind of language I heard growing up. And it's true, you know, from birth to age eight, you are a sponge, your brain just takes in everything as fact, you don't have the ability to filter out, you know, you know what, mom, that doesn't sound right. At three years old, you, you just you just take it all in, right? And so yeah, there was a lot of scarcity in my in my world, there was a lot of um, um, just, you know, the, the old adage, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. You got to work your butt off to earn money. I mean, all of those things um, I heard, I heard growing up and, you know, like you had mentioned earlier um, in our conversation, this is an ongoing journey and we are constantly being coached by other people. Um, I work with coaches myself and it's a, an investment in myself that we always should you know continue to learn and grow. But um, it's, it's an ongoing process of unwinding and unlearning and, and unpacking that tape recorder in my subconscious mind uh, and then re-recording newer reality and limitless thoughts. And it's not about just sitting on the couch and thinking, I am wealthy. I am wealthy. I, you know, it's not, it's not right. about that. Right. Um, and it's a, it's a whole in-depth conversation and it's a whole in-depth uh, deep dive into our subconscious mind, which is super powerful and, super exciting if you really want to get into it. Um, but yes, my, my growing up was, and I, you know, I come from a family of five. My dad was, you know, the full-time worker. He also taught in the evenings cause he enjoyed it. My mom was stay at home mom with five kids. Um, and you know, so things were tight mm-hmm. and that's kind of how I learned about money. If my parents would say, if you want something, you got to figure out a way to make the money and get it yourself. So at nine years old, I had my first candy stand in my house <laughs> and I sold candy <laughs> to the neighborhood kids. Um, so yeah, I got uh, scrappy and I, and I figured out a way to make my own money. And that's just, that's just how I learned over time. That's awesome. So after you learned how to make your own money, did you find that you were managing your money in a way that helped it grow? I uh, did a little of both. I certainly had fun with my money. My mom would always say, someday you're going to want to get married and have a dining room table. I'm like, whatever, you know, and it was like, you know, in my early teens. Um, so, but I had fun. I mean, I would go and buy silly things. I mean, every teenager does, right? Um, so I did enjoy my my teenage years, but I did also save. I was always focused on, um, you know, it, it felt good to keep savings. And, and I had the down payment um, for when my husband and I got married, I had the down payment for our house and he was in debt. And so I had, I had the wherewithal and and the, and the investments to, to, you know, be able to buy our first little condo. Um, and that felt good. You know, that was kind of a cool thing. Yeah. That's amazing. Cause usually it's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So if, if money was a person, how would you describe your relationship? that's a good question if money was a person well um not like a person like today right just a person in general my relationship with that person Mm -hmm. okay um i would say i i would absolutely love that person i i love money right not because of the material items that i can buy so to speak but it's what i what what it brings me which is freedom, which is options, which is choices, which is the ability to treat my family to vacations, to donate and be charitable to organizations that, you know, are near and dear to my heart. Um, My mom has advanced dementia. And so I'm a big proponent of the Alzheimer's Association. And I, I do a lot with that. 
Um, and that, you know, that holds dear to my heart. Um, so it, it, it gives me the ability to, um, do what I want when I want. So yes, I love money, but not because I can buy a bigger house or bigger car or more diamonds or, you know, it's not about that. That's not my why. Right. And that's so true for a lot of, a lot of people, especially women, they don't want to, you know, have more money so that they can spoil themselves and and all that. They want more money so that they can create that, build that legacy and, and build that generational wealth and create a ripple effect where they can pay it forward and, and help mm-hmm. others. And I find that a lot of entrepreneurs have that desire, but yet they're so afraid to receive money. It's almost like they have this closed fist of, no, I, I can't accept money because you know, I'm not good with money and money burns a hole in my pocket and all these beliefs that they have that were instilled with that instilled in them as they were growing, you know, from as little as zero to adulthood and getting different messages along the way about money and understanding that everyone has a financial genius and we can all tap into that financial genius. But a lot of times we can't do it on our own because we're so busy looking in the mirror and beating ourselves up, mm-hmm. you know, our, our world's worst critic mm-hmm. and you know, constantly focusing on, you know, raising the bar and waiting for things to happen. Like when I get more income, then I'll do this. When my business hits seven figures, then I'll do this. And realizing that if you started treating money as if it was a person and had this loving relationship, more money would come your way. You know, because money wants to, money goes where money is, is what my mom always told me when I was growing up. And I was like four or five years old and I'd raise my hand and I'd be like, how do you get money to come to you then? Because I want to be where money is. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So that's that's one thing I remember. And my mom was an entrepreneur. She was a, a cosmetologist and, you know, she ran, owned her own shop and, you know, did all the things. So I come from a family of entrepreneurs and I realized that some of them, you know, there's seven different money personalities that I've come across on a consistent basis. And we all have a little bit of those personalities in us, you know, the gambler, the investor, the money maker, um, the spender, the saver are just a few. And when you think about your own money personality, that drives you to make the decisions that you're making with your everyday day-to-day finances what drives you to making the decisions that you have? Like, what's the most um, compelling thing that makes you say, okay, I'm going to go out there and make money, or I'm going to invest in this, or, you know, I love to spend money. I think for me, the the, the biggest driving force is um, the legacy component and the, and the impact component. I, I want to... Um, and I'll and I'll pivot for one second. You asked earlier about why I left the financial planning world. You know, my fear of regret was greater than my fear of, you know, the the risk I was taking in in, in leaving that comfortable job. Um, so that kind of comes forward to this question here. Um, I want to make a bigger impact. I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to look back and go, oh, if I only did this with my life. So um, money affords me the ability to to do what I'm doing. And the the flow of money coming and going affords me the ability to um, serve more in a greater way and uh, leave that legacy 
I think like Oprah, I think it was, it said, you know, your legacy is every person that you've touched. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if I can reach thousands of women, then they reach thousands of women and the ripple effect is just massive. And that's a beautiful thing. That's, yeah. that's, that's what drives me. Oh, I love that. So your legacy and, and giver. So you're like Gary, the Gary, the giver and Ian, the investor are two of the seven money personalities. Um, which if you want, you can go check those out on the money dating game. It's fun. <laughs> it's I will. Choose <laughs> your partner. And at the same time, think, hey, I recognize that money personality in myself. Harry, Harry the hoarder is one of them and he doesn't get much love and attention. <laughs> <laughs> Why are these all guys' names? Because we're, we're dating money. So the oh, money I got it, got it, got it. Yeah, got yeah. it. Okay. So when, when I, I found that personifying money and choosing, we all want a partner. And when we choose a partner, we always choose someone that we want to be more alike. We never choose somebody exactly like us. So when you think about partnering with money, who do you want to be more alike? So I, my money personalities, the top three are the spender. I love sell the spender, um, the giver and the investor. Sometimes I go back and forth between the moneymaker and the investor because I love having multiple income streams coming in and I love watching that money multiply. Um, but I love the investment part of it. And as most women, I was always like, what investments? I remember being in seventh grade and reading the newspaper in one of my classes. I want to say it was English class. And we had to look up the different stocks and read. Mm. Our English teacher would have us read the first paragraph of every article in the newspaper because that's where all the meat and potatoes were. But for the stocks, we had to go through every line, decode it and say what we would invest in. And I'd be like, what is this? Why? <laughs> you know, and it would go up and down and there would be these percentages. And I'd be like, that is way too much information. I'm just going to choose three. He's like, nope, you have to go every day. We had to go through every single stock in the paper. Oh my God. And I never, you know, so in seventh grade, I got this attitude towards investment. Like I'm not doing that. So for me, for years, I did all this investing and I wouldn't pay attention because I figured, oh, it's, I'm not going to get it until 62. When I hit social security age, it's too far off. Who cares? And my husband's the investor and he's like, no, you got to pay attention. You got to watch the numbers, you know? So every day he's recording it and I'm like rolling my eyes. <laughs> Good thing he did. And now I do it too. Now I do it every day, but paying attention to the money that you do have is so important because so mm -hmm. many of us will look at our finances and push it away without even realizing it saying, oh, I'm not going to pay attention to you. You're too complicated. Like you're too much. You know, and it's almost like pushing away that annoying person that's, you know, grinding, asking all the questions, right? Yeah. So yeah. do you do you see a pattern like that with a lot with the ladies that you're working with? Do they tend to shy away? You had mentioned earlier that here, you just do it for me and you give me the list of things what I'll, that I need to do and I'll do it. Or do you find more ladies saying, no, I want to dive in. I want to learn how to do this. And they're not, they're getting over that fear. I see a little of both. Um, I think I, I think I see both. The um, I think the majority of them probably in my financial planning days were um, no, just take it. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't understand it. I trust you. Just do it. Um, and I'm more of like no. Let me explain to you what I'm doing. I want you to understand what's happening here. 
Um, and that's why I want to educate women on, on this as far as the coaching piece, because I want them to go into a financial planner if they choose to use an advisor and ask those questions and feel comfortable asking those questions. And if they don't understand something, they're confident enough to say, you know what, hold on one second. I don't know what you just said. I need you to slow down. I need you to re, you know, re-say that. I Talk to me like I'm a fourth grader. Tell me just in very simple terms what it is that you're just saying to me. Um, and I always tell individuals as well, if, if you're trying to be sold a product or service that you don't understand um, and you can't teach that to a fourth grader, then you don't, you, you don't have a, you, you shouldn't be buying that if you don't understand it. Cause there's so right. many moving parts, especially when it comes to certain investment products, there's so many moving parts that if you don't completely have a, a good handle and understanding of how that works, that can be very expensive for you in, in the long run. So um, yeah, I, I absolutely want that to be, you know, super comfortable that you ask those questions and you are, um, if you decide, like I said, to use an advisor that you can go in and say, I don't know what you're saying. Say it again. Only yeah. di- use, use different words because I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. That's uh, awesome advice. Yeah. That's valuable. Very good. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and share your elevator pitch and your tagline with our audience and let us know how they can connect with you. Well, simply stated, I actually had a, I did a post on this recently. Someone asked what, you know, if someone asked you what you did in 10 words or less, what would you say? And my, it was actually seven words. Um, I help women get comfortable with money and, oh. you know, plain and simple. And that encompasses all pieces of, of money. So um, as a result of that, I've created a program. It's called Minding Her Money, and it's a uh, 90-day group coaching program where we have an online curriculum program that is full of videos that you watch. It encompasses nine different areas, um, including investing and credit and buying a house and your money story, self-care, um, getting organized, and some other ones, retirement. Um, and you just go to mindinghermoney.com. And you can download a free roadmap to the to the program and then book a call with me. I'll ask you a couple of questions, get to know you a little bit and see if uh, if it makes sense and if it's a fit for you and go from there. Beautiful. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and for in your time. Um, really appreciate that. And uh, again, audience, check the show notes and how you can connect with Patty. You have a friend, please share this um, podcast with them and let them know, you know, always do your homework, always gather the facts because, you know, you can't make decisions without knowing exactly what you're going into. And, you know, as Patty has said, it's very important to ask the right questions and for you to understand it and to have it explained to you as Patty has said, at the fourth grade level, because if you can't understand it and teach it to someone else, you probably shouldn't invest in it. So be sure to gather the facts. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it's what you do with it. Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to rate the show, give us some love. We would love your review. And remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. And some words of advice, pay yourself first. Are you ready to partner with money? Go check out the money dating game at idatemoney.com and choose your partner. We hope you always get the date you want. Thanks for tuning into the show. Give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Get ready to activate wealth. 
Be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system. You get to build wealth by partnering with money. It's time to have fun with finances. Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.